Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely week, week of uh, not Blue Jays baseball, but we're here anyways for Jaybird watching the official podcast of Jaybird, or uh, sorry, at Jays Journal, not right now. And oddly enough, Brendan, we actually have one of our best friends from Jays Journal with us tonight, Chris Henderson. How you doing, my friend? Glad well, to be joining you, fellas. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while, man. Way too long. <laughs> We talk every once in a while online and stuff, but we haven't, I can't even honestly remember the last time we had you on the show. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I know we did a few, one or two at least last season, but I, I couldn't tell you when it was. <laughs> I think it was early season or even maybe spring training. It might have been that long ago. So glad to get you off the bench and back in the game, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots happened since then. Yeah. So Let's just talk about baseball in general here for a minute, fellas, because I know as we're down to the NL and ALCSs, and unfortunately to basically everybody in this conversation, nobody's terribly excited about the four teams that happen to make it this far. And there's a couple of branded cheaters. There's the Dodgers that are basically the new Yankees. And then there's the Atlanta Braves. And okay, I guess I'm rooting for the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> so um, Chris, you're our, uh, for, you know, our guest. So why don't you give us your opinion on what we're at with the playoffs right now? We're at game five and game four respectively in each. And it's been very competitive up to this point, but to that point, who you, who are you rooting for? Who do you want to, you know, run away with this a little bit here? I mean, out of the four, I guess I'm with you there. I guess I would have to choose the Braves out of those four. I mean, but really, all I really care about more than anything is that the Red Sox don't win. I mean, yeah. I don't want Houston or L.A. to win, but I really, really don't want the Red Sox to win. <laughs> I'm basically right now just rooting for the National League, and I don't care sure. how that happens because I just can't stand watching the Astros win anything after, oh, see, we told you we were only cheating so much. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's to totally fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. <laughs> Brendan, yeah, uh, same thing as last week. I think um, I'm just not really sure who to cheer for the American League. Not too much has changed there. Uh, still surprised Boston's made as much of a series as they have, but looks like the Astros are going to correct that and hopefully not blow the lead to go up three uh, two, going back to Minute Maid Park for Friday Saturday. So hopefully it'll be Houston instead of Boston in the World Series. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the Dodgers are just boring at this point. I mean, they're a great team. They're not actually boring, but it's just boring seeing them in the same spot every single year these days. Like, can we get some fresh teams in there for a change? So I guess if that's the case, I wouldn't mind the Braves going through. Obviously, Chris, you mentioned the Anthopolis connection before we started recording. George Poulos, apparently John Gibbons, I saw, was is a consultant in their organization. Yeah, he's doing days. some advising, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I couldn't think of a better bunch of people to win a World Series ring. And one of my friends from university who worked for the Brave AAA team, the Gwinnett Stripers, would get himself a ring too. So that's a nice go. little thing to cheer for. So yeah, sure, why not, Braves? 
Yeah, I'm basically rooting for Freddie Free to actually win his World Series in a you know in a Braves uniform because it's very likely that he probably isn't returning, in my opinion. But that'd be my guess. What do I know? I host a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> so on that note, we talked a little bit about what's going on there with baseball in general, but we're not terribly excited about that. And this is a Blue Jays podcast. We got to talk about something more, a little bit, you know, our wheelhouse, right? So this past week, we've seen. Um, Shapiro come out and had his little state of the organization deal going on. So as we dive more back into Blue Jays fun here, post 91 games won this past season. Where does this team go? And that was kind of where I think he was steering the conversation, literally just missing the playoffs by one stinking game, or at least a tiebreaker by one stinking game. So what do you take to get that next piece? And that's where we're going to focus on tonight. But um, let's start talking first with, basically that presser um a lot of it was focused around the collective bargaining agreement was the main takeaway on how the confidence level was there the blue jays payroll is expected to grow apparently from the 135 ish million they said they used over the last year and then the other piece of that whole obviously is the off-season plans for what we're going on that's where we're going to focus on the latter part of this conversation and then rogers center apparently still getting improvements i thought that was a very interesting piece of that whole conversation why don't we start there because obviously you know we only had what two months of baseball in the rogers center so to hear that they're even bothering to throw money back at the ballpark was very intriguing and interesting to me um brendan i'll let you kick that off I think it just shows people who think Rogers are cheap and act like a small market team don't know what they're talking about. Even if they don't spend money on the team to improve the team, they'll try to improve the ballpark. And you know what? That was a very underrated aspect of Mark Shapiro's job when he originally got hired was that it was a combination of being on the baseball ops side of things, but also business side where he could have decisions and try to improve the Rogers Center because that's what he did in Cleveland at the tail end. They they improved Jacobs Field, now Progressive Field, a ton. Um, they made it like a couple of cool hangout spots out in the right field corner. Um, they retrofitted that ballpark, which was getting a little older 90s, um, and it already needed a facelift. The Rogers Center opened in the 90s as well, probably right around the same time as uh, Progressive Field. So Rogers Center needs a facelift. So it's a new scoreboard that they're getting out there, which uh will be super interesting to see what they do and what they put in there around the hotel but it's probably a need for an upgrade i don't think that thing has changed much if at all since the stadium opened so it's great to see them pouring money back into the stadium because look you gotta figure it out at some point like it is an old stadium it's very cavernous there's not like all the new parts where you're walking around the stadium you could look through the concourse and see in you could get that in the 100 level you can get that a little bit at the 200 level, but not the 500 level. You actually go, have to go to your seats where you can look out and see the ballpark absolutely anywhere you're standing in the concourse of these new stadiums. I think it'd be wicked if they got a new stadium. I know that was part of the discussion. It was either retrofit the Rogers Center like crazy to bring it up to a super modern facility, kind of like what they did, I'm guessing, with what the Miami Dolphins did with Pro Player Stadium, now whatever, Hard Rock Stadium. They took an incredibly old stadium there and made it look brand new. So if they can do that with the Rogers Center, I'm all for it, given the location. But at the same time, it'd be cool to get a new venue because they could do some damn cool stuff with a new stadium. So we'll see what direction it goes. But really exciting stuff from Shapiro's press conference on the stadium and business side of things. Yeah, Chris, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's two things, uh, two points I'd make further to what Brennan said. I, and I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think Rogers is always willing to spend money. In my view, over my lifetime of watching this team, I've always summed it up to people as I think they're willing to spend money when they think they've got a profitable product. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it's a team that's rebuilding, they uh, they tend to take the cheap route on a lot of decisions. But uh, when they've got a team like they have right now, then they've shown lots of times over the past that they're willing to invest in that kind of thing. And and further to this, the, as far as the stadium thing goes, um, you know, it's, it is exciting to hear that they're going to continue to work towards that. And I understand that there was probably limited operations budget committed to that without a games going on in the in the stadium. But, um, you know, I remember like a year or maybe a year and a half ago uh, when this pandemic started writing an article saying now is the time to take advantage yeah, of it. Exactly. Nothing's going on there. Yeah, to, pretty know, sure I read that article, actually. <laughs> utilize the <laughs> I was like, he's got a point. <laughs> like, and so that's my my only uh, kind of bang your head against the wall moment of, of yeah. that is like, 
cool. When are you going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where are you like, going to play? <laughs> yeah. And so, that. I mean, I, I sincerely doubt that they're going to interrupt their, their schedule in order to do something like that anytime in the immediate future. But, uh, and I think Blue Jays fans will be satisfied with whatever the park looks like when they, when they return to their seats in the next season, especially if the teams is as exciting as they were this year. Yeah. And to that point on the whole, yeah, they had a perfect opportunity to do some work on the ballpark. I heard they did do a few little things, but it wasn't anything like you were yeah. saying about the cosmetic. And um, but to that point, I, if they're getting a new scoreboard, I, that I think they last time they upgraded the scoreboard in center field there on the on the hotel and everything was actually when Vernon Wells was still on the club. Yeah, so, that sounds right. Actually, <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, they so, made minor changes to like section signing and stuff like that. They just made it look a little bit more modern. But that's really the only change I noticed from the two games I was at. But to that point, they still had the Skydome logos in the 500 level on all yeah. the seats. <laughs> so I kind of want those to stay Brendan. anyway, though. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know you mentioned the 500 level, Brendan, but um, out of all the ballparks I've been to, that 500 level still feels like the most comfortable one I've ever been in. And maybe it's just because a lot of the other ones I've been at, it's like going on up a cliff. At least they got the handrail yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff between all the seats and it's all teared up a little, but um, yeah, Milwaukee was always the one that was my go-to for a beautiful ballpark or Camden yards. And maybe that's where the eventual long-term plan is what he was co- focusing on during that presser that they're going to continue to work on the current ballpark make it as pleasing as possible and kind of in that idea that they might still be living there for a really long time. But the idea is obviously we've seen a couple of little breakouts for what some of the renderings of a new ballpark would look like and things like that. And it was very cool stuff to see what they were even toying with at that point. So if they get even part of that, right, it'll be very interesting to see what this looks like going forward. So other points from that, um, let's talk the fact that the, um, Oh, the collective bargaining agreement is looming over everything in baseball as soon as the offseason starts. Um, the commissioner has been very adamant that he's close to getting this done. There is a hard date of December 1st for the collective bargaining agreement to be done. Shapiro um, talked up that same fact that he's very confident that this deal is going to get done. And I think the actual thing that was a, a big plus for that whole thing happened just yesterday or Monday that minor league players are going to be guaranteed housing from the clubs instead of <laughs> what I saw when I was down in Bloomfield, where they're basically shacking up with a town a family in town, hoping, you know, that they can just get a chance to go play in the big leagues someday. So I, maybe that was part of the fact that minor league got restructured the way they did so they could do this. But the fact that the players and the owners were already agreeing on something that big actually thought made me think that they were going in the right direction with this. Chris, I'll let you uh, run off with that idea about the CBA and how it affects the Blue Jays. Yeah. I mean, I think to start with that whole minor league thing, I I really hope that that's part of the puzzle. However, this whole thing comes together in the end and it's painful the way that that's been handled over the last few years and some of the stories you see on social media and the campaigns to find jobs part-time jobs for minor league ball players and stuff. I mean, it's just, it doesn't have to be that way when there's people making $35 million a year. Let's just get these guys a condo. You can stuff four of them in there together. Yeah. They're fine with that. Just yeah. give them each a bed or something at least. Right. You know, anyway, um, as far at as the CBA goes, uh, I have uh, Daniel Norris van or something like that. Yeah. Something. Well, yeah. At least something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as far as the CBA goes, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I've kind of like been the stick my head in the sand la 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 it's not happening <laughs> Attitude towards the cba for for a yeah, long time as it's loomed um but i've also as this pandemic has gone on i've done my very best to shift my attitude and look for silver linings and in, in uh, life in general just to keep myself sane and i think i found one when it comes to this whole cba thing is that i don't know that they'd be anywhere close to getting it done without the pandemic um, yeah. i think there was enough issues before that before we we came into this 19 months or 20 months ago or however long it's been, um, there were so many issues that were there was a huge divide on, and I think we they had a taste of what it's like to have reduced salaries and had a taste ownership lost a pile of money in most markets yeah. and 
you know, uh, in having gone through that experience, I think they're probably both parties are going to be more willing to make concessions to make sure that the season happens. So that's the silver lining that I'm clinging to. Otherwise, I'm pretending that it's not even a thing and just thinking about free agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you 100%, Chris. I don't think they can afford to not play or have next season disrupted a little bit. It already was last year. You only got 60 games, and we all look back at 60 games last year after 162 this year and be like, wow, that was a joke. Uh, yeah, they made the playoffs, but still, it doesn't really feel like an actual playoff berth. It doesn't really feel like it even happened. It went by so fast. Like, my goodness. So I don't know if... There are some hiccups. I don't know. Like, I know some leagues, I know more so the NFL um, last time, they said if a CBA wasn't done, they would play under the old CBA rules. So I don't know if that's a compromise where you play under the old CBA for another year, but that's it's, it's just, there's baseball contracts are so it's so different when you got all the different minor leagues and you got diff- so much discrepancy in pay and whatnot and so many different unique contract styles compared to the NFL and NHL and NBA where you don't have such drastic minor league systems and whatnot. So I don't know if you can play under the old CBA. I don't know what the solution would be, but Shapiro, who is very close to all of this, like he's very high up there in baseball circles amongst executives and whatnot. And if he's optimistic, I'm optimistic. So I think they'll get a deal done. I really do. If there's a hiccup, I hope they come to some sort of compromise because they actually cannot afford to have next season disrupted. Even even if you lose 40 games and you play 122 or 120, it's just not good enough. You got to play all 162, start making money back, get interest in baseball back because it is a sport that is slowly dying and losing interest. If they don't play at all or lose a lot of games next year because of the CBA, they're going to lose even more fans for good, and that will be it. And they will still be the diehards like us who will watch and be happy when it's back. But, my God, it will be a hurting sport if they lose some of next season. Yeah. Um, how many ball clubs this season? I think there was only like two or three that actually started with full capacity in ballparks. Houston, Texas Rangers, and a couple others, I think, in the, I think within the first few weeks of the season, right? Yeah, I think it was only Houston and Texas or, and the Rangers. But the other, there were some other dominoes that fell pretty quickly after that. So yeah, very. they were the first ones. Outside of those two clubs, and the only reason that the Rangers really had anybody showing is because they had that beautiful new ballpark that everybody yeah. was ready to go to the year before. Yeah, well, <laughs> and people so. had to be happy that Odura was gone too. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite ruin the Yankees enough though. That was the only problem. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, as far as a financial thing, you know, they already took that giant ding as you had mentioned because they were working at you know third percent of you know people out in the ballpark half of it you know all that kind of stuff so the baseball in general is just like all sports a little cash behind right now right and yet the players know that the baseball is happening in a way and we're going to go into this next conversation so segue points <laughs> that they need the money to be able to pay for these guys to make their teams better um the other two points from Ross Atkins or Ross Atkins and Shapiro's deal here um, was the fact that the payroll is going to grow this season and they are going to be heavy hitters, hopefully again on the market, or at least that's how they are making it sound. The last two years we were still sitting in that ballpark. Okay, great. We got Ryu. What are they really going to do this year? And then we ended up getting Springer and Semyon and everybody. And it worked out really well, obviously one game short, really, if you wanted to get back into it. Um, I don't think this is smoke, fellas. I think this is flat out. They know that this team is ready to do something special, and they're going to throw a brick of money at it. Right now, like I said, they're at $135 million. Um, Sport Track was ballparking that they were at 150 with all the minor league stuff and everything like that. This, did they get a couple of guys off this free agent market or talk about any of these extensions and rebringing back guys that we were talking about? This could be a really expensive team all of a sudden. You know, and it sounds like the ballpark of 180 isn't out of the realm of reality even at this point if they get the right guys to be in this club. How far do you think they go on the spending spree? I don't need names this second, but is this returning to the 2015 budgets or is this something they find in that weird middle and get the right guys or continue to add to this team with trades? Chris, I'll let you uh, go first. Well, you know, as I said earlier, I think Rogers 
is willing to approve the kind of budgets that uh, that they've seen we've seen in the past when the team's competitive and and if the 2021 season proved anything especially in the second half it's that this team is ready to be in that mix and and to be invested in and that the fans are excited about it you know so i don't expect that they'll start the season at 180 million because i think when we've seen you know shapiro operate in the past or even went back going back to anthopolis's time um or i just should say atkins rather and going back to anthopolis's time um you know they like to invest in the trade deadline and i think there's a reason to do that so i mean if they start the season the regular season with a payroll and say the neighborhood of 150 or 160 million and they they add more later i think that's still enough that the fan base should be excited about it especially when they're still getting some deals um from you know some relative deals on some of the guys that are you know Vlad's hitting arbitration for the first time and Bo is still pre-arbitration eligible so they're still getting some relative bargains and um i think they're going to be ready to spend and um hopefully it's on the right guys yeah Braden? yeah absolutely i'm with you chris and that's what even anthopolis said towards the end of his career with the Blue Jays is you always leave some money behind for the trade deadline. If you're in it, you need to add a Troy Tulowitzki at $20 million a year. You have that 20 mil. You need to add David Price. I know it wasn't as much as 20 mil because it was near the end of his contract with the Tigers, but still uh, probably a significant chunk of change. So always leave a little bit of money back. If you start around 150, 160, you maybe leave yourself 25 million. Obviously you think that number can grow. You just got to go and sell it to Rogers. Be like, Hey, we have an opportunity to get player X, Y, Z. And it's going to cost us this. Can you prove us to go up to one, 185, 190? I'm sure it'll happen, especially if they are in a playoff race, maybe even a playoff spot at the time of the deadline. And that was the difference. Like this year, they were not in a playoff spot when they made the trades and whatnot. If they are next year, then I think you could see that increase significantly. But I'm with you, Chris. I think it won't be much more to start than maybe 150, maybe 160 tops after they add some free agents and obviously some contracts off the book. And maybe they don't bring back one of the two guys that we hope they bring back. Who knows what happens with both of those guys? But yeah, it'll be more. And there's no reason to to not believe what they said, considering they've hit on everything they've said they would since probably what the off season after 2019 you signed Ryu last off season. They said they'd be even more aggressive and add talent. They signed George Springer. They brought back Robbie Ray on a cheap deal on a gamble. So I won't really count that one, but that's good business. And then you'd take advantage of Marcus Simeon being available for $18 million. So they spent significantly last off season too. So it's uh it's going to be a very, very exciting off season for blue Jays fans. Yeah. And so to that point, with all those contracts coming off the books currently, the Blue Jays, according to Sports Track, are setting at $108 million on their payroll. That is literally $2 million short of the quote unquote league average at the moment. Um, that's a lot of money that we were talking about being able to throw around. And is that factoring in? Before. Is that before arbitration or is that? That's before arbitration. Yeah, okay. so that's so, going to obviously tick up in the ballpark of probably, uh, you know, like I said, probably 120-ish, we would think. Yeah. Because I mean, Oscar is going to get a nice thing in that. <laughs> yeah, well, and Vlad will get a nice increase, and Barry, and Jose Barrios will get a nice increase. and I mean, there's guys that are going to get paid, but there still should be plenty of room to operate. Correct. I think it'll actually look very eerily similar to that payroll they had with just those pay increases on those guys. But to that point, you got to turn around and what is right for this ball club. And I think that's where we're going to spend 99% of this talk tonight, fellas. <laughs> so, um, obviously plenty of things went right for the Toronto Blue Jays last year and plenty went wrong, especially for a good month chunk there that really screwed everything up. Um, how does this club take that next step? Is it bringing guys back that we know can do this thing right? Is it certain free agents or is there leading in the trade market that we're going to explore those couple little things here really quick? Brendan, I'm going to let you tee off. Where do you think the Blue Jays first have to attack to meet some of these needs that they are looking to fill for this ball club? Because right now it's more or less pitching and a couple of key positions on the diamond that might be due for some upgrades. Well, the first order of business is seeing if Simeon or Robbie Ray have any interest in coming back, trying to put an offer or two on the table to get the conversation started, and then go from there. Um, Ross, or no, Shapiro's press conference about, uh, what, what was his quote again? He said, we don't need to bring people back. We need to get better or something along those lines. 
Um, it's true. Like, I mean, there are ways to improve your ball club if it doesn't involve Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon. There's guys who are younger on the free agent market. There's the trade route. There's a whole bunch of things. Outside of pitching, because I actually think they're going to enter, even if Ray doesn't come back, let's say Mets comes back on a qualifying offer. Then you start next year with a very nice top four. You got Barrios, Ryu, Mats, and Manoa. And that is a fantastic start to rotation that didn't look so great when it came out of uh, when it came out of spring training this year because you had Roark in there. You had uh, we didn't know what we were going to get out of Steven Matz um, until the season started. Robbie Ray started a little later because of his elbow, and even then we're like, is this going to be the Robbie Ray of 2020? Maybe you get a little bit of Diamondback Robbie Ray when he was in his prime. He turned into an ace, so that was good. But on paper, even if you just bring back Matz alone your rotation looks really good. Obviously, Ray takes that to where it was and ended the season as a potentially top five, maybe top seven rotation in baseball. So it'd be awesome, but there are ways to improve upon that or at least keep the production levels the same. Um, Marcus Simeon, if he does not come back, I think regardless if he comes back or not, the position that I need to see some improvement is third base. I don't think if you want to be a playoff team, I'm not sold that you can go in and having Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio be your primary third baseman. We saw what happened last year. There was no nothing pretty much at third base this whole offseason. And that the third baseman was always batting in the bottom third of the order that from time to time before Danny Jansen magically started hitting and other catchers started contributing, the bottom third of the order was the weakest spot on this Blue Jays team, specifically third base. So whether it's Simeon, I don't know. I, I doubt he'd probably be back to play second base, but third base is probably the top thing outside of a starter. That is on my my wish list. Who that is, I have no idea. Again, I said this a couple times. I know Chris, uh, Chris Key, um, the last couple episodes has said yes to Jose Ramirez, but not if it involves Lourdes Gurriel and trade. And Craig, I think you're on the same wavelength as Chris Key. Um, I'm a little more on the opposite side. I think you can move <laughs> off of Lourdes if you get Jose Ramirez. It's such a cheap, such like he doesn't cost you anything. I and mean, he is an elite player. There's, uh, I'm sure that debate will go on for the rest of the offseason, but still, third base outside of a starting pitcher is my top priority. Yeah, to me on that Loris Ramirez thing, if it happens, it's now straight up after what Loris did this season. There, there was easy that he could have been a player of the month the last two months of the season with how he kept trending up. So he had a great second half of the season, and it makes me wonder what a full season of that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. really looks like. What if what if it was Lourdes? I, I think they'll want more considering how elite Jose Ramirez is and how cheap his contract is. What if it was, let's just say, Lourdes and somebody like Adam Kloffenstein, a high-end minor starting pitcher, a guy who could be a yeah. top-of-the-rotation guy? I'd still pull the trigger. They're not getting what they asked for last offseason. I can tell you that. No, probably not. No, because it happened for one year less. Yeah. So anyway, Chris, what do you what's your plan? Are you in the uh, sign them off ballpark like um, we are all thinking or are you thinking we are better off hinging our bets on some youth and actually what? I think what Brendan was trying to hit on here was the fact that they want to make sure that they're adding core parts to this team. Yeah, I think they found, to me, they kind of found the formula for what they need to do going forward, but they just found it too late. You know, Marcus Simeon, I think, said that right at the end of the last press conference, said we we might have been the best team in baseball, but it just happened too late. And so to that end, I mean, I'd like to see the guys come back. I'd like to see Simeon return, and I'd like to see Robbie Ray back. But, I mean, even at that, I, it depends on the cost. Because, I mean, you, I look at the, what they're where the Yankees are at right now, and uh, they're a year away from having to make a decision on Aaron Judge, and, and there's legitimate questions about whether they could, would, can or will bring him back and still have room to build. And So the Blue Jays really don't want to put themselves in that kind of spot, and that's that's the danger of of the potential of re-signing both guys. They have the money. I think it's just about, about the term more than anything. Um, the one thing I do want to say is that, and I'm saying this, in every opportunity I, I can get, despite the fact that Steven Matz was, was quite good this year. I do not want the Blue Jays to re-sign him under any circumstances. I think they would be fools to offer him a qualifying offer. And, uh, and, 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 I, and that's, sure that's not to say, and that's not to say that I don't like him. It's just that he, I think he's going to get very overpaid with this next contract. And I don't want the Blue Jays to be the team that overpays him. Uh, Cause I think he, what he showed this year, 
top end of his potential in my mind. And um, there's nowhere to go but down. Um, and so he might be able to keep it up for another year or two, but I don't really want to pay him on a three-year deal. Um, you know, so if you pay him $45 million over three years, which he might get, um, I don't want the Blue Jays to be on the hook for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. We actually talked about that last show on if you base his uh, salary purely on his war from this last season, he basically is in the ballpark of how much you would get for a qualifying yeah. offer. But oh, yeah. No, you could justify giving him it. that for more than this season, that would be <laughs> the biggest yeah. thing. I mean, it, it's a, yeah, it, I think he accepts offered put it that way i do too like i don't i don't I think, think he hesitates no, I, I think he just takes it right on yeah <laughs> you know um the I, last point I, do want to make, <laughs> I think the, the last point i do want to make is i think they they need to i think an ideal scenario for the rotation is is having ray uh barrios uh ryu manoa and then i'd love to see that fifth spot be uh nate pearson's to lose and that's why i like the presence of a guy like ross stripling that could yeah. potentially you know cover for him if pearson gets injured again but i'd love to see pearson still get a chance in the rotation and add some veteran depth you know some guys that that can sit in triple a or can sit in the bullpen and um be ready to cover that spot if Pearson can't stay healthy because I mean what even just the last couple times he hit the mound at the end of the year it was exciting to just see him you know coming into his own and starting to feel comfortable out there but more than yeah, anything uh, uh, level totally totally you know I as far as the infield goes um I'm I'm on the opposite side of the fence with you guys as well on that when it comes to Espinal um but on the condition that they invest in second base whether that's Semyon yeah, or whether yeah. that's another guy I'm fine with because um, I'm, you know, I think Espinal is just such a reliable glove, and uh, he hit over 300 this year. He's not going to do that again. But uh, if he can be the number eight hitter and hit 270 and play unreal defense on the, on the left side of the infield with uh, or the right side rather with Bichette, then then I'm okay with that, provided they invest in a yeah. uh, second baseman. But uh, I think as much as anything else, um, they need to get the one rotation arm. Uh, whether that's Ray or whether that's another veteran or maybe it's Matt's, um, um, a second baseman. And if it's not a second baseman, you you know, I'm rambling here now, but say you went to Ramirez at third base, you could always try Kevin Biggio again at second base as a that's combo with Espinal too. Um, and I think Biggio would be better off there. Um, and last but not least, but the most important part is you just got to make sure the bullpen yeah. fire that it was for the first few months of this year and because you know you think about the, the amount of games that were lost because of bullpen depth in in 2021 i mean this team could have been a contender for the division let alone a, a wild card spot <laughs> so that's my long-winded answer to that yeah so just to just to be this guy and say it about what's going on free agent wise at second base obviously the clear free agent winner that qualifies for a second baseman is Marcus Semyon. Literally had the most home runs in Major League history at that position in a single season. Just saying, was quite good. Um, Then it's a pretty steep cliff after that through free agency because Cesar Hernandez is the next best guy and he's actually got a club option that wouldn't shock me that the White Sox pick up because they traded the other guy that they had playing second base. Um, Then going to third base, it's obviously a lot more plentiful (laughs) um i honestly i like that idea that you mentioned there chris about having santiago espinal on this team right to me has a he has to lose a job i think he's going to play one way or the other on the starting nine whether it's at third base or second right now to me um right now i think his whole future depends on how either of those two positions fall out whether they grab somebody through a trade or a free agency or bring back Semyon. however it is i'm very comfortable with him at either of those positions as i watch him play second base in the minors plenty so i'm very happy yeah. to have his glove wherever he plays <laughs> and i well, think he's and, hit. And to, yeah and to that point i mean in my mind like if i'm ross atkins and i'm looking at the free agents that are available i'm likely probably trying to get Semyon to come back and if that doesn't work, then I'm probably shifting my thinking and going, okay, I can't really get a great second baseman. Um, you could consider signing a guy like Chris Taylor or something maybe, but I'm not a huge fan of that idea. I think he's going to get overpaid too. Um, so I think if Semyon doesn't come back, then I think you start looking at third base solutions and whether that's a you know the Seager if he becomes available or whether that's a Ramirez or whatever. Because I, I think that combination of Biggio and Espinal at second base would be just fine and probably – better than they would be at third base because Biggio's glove just plays better there. 
Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And in that in that in that guise of what we could be doing there at second base, let's just say they ended up taking that avenue. There, I don't think there's a really bad answer on that. We've seen the, that Kevin Biggio was the most comfortable as a second baseman, and he hit at that time. Obviously, he was struggling with all sorts of injuries this season, and especially his lower half kind of screws up your swing. So, but to knowing the fact that we are going to get something out of the bat of Santiago Espinal, and you're going to get that kind of great, that's a great tandem to just go to the, the hot hand. I'd rather have that hot hand at a position like second base where there is a void of offense for the most part in Major League Baseball these days at second base outside of the guy like Semyon that is really a shortstop. <laughs> so, um, and then go for a bat to play third base. I, I think there's enough range there up the middle with those two guys with Bichette and Kevin Biggio or Santiago Espinal on the, on his left, you know, and call it a day. Just as simple as that. But to that point, I think you need to pick one of those two positions that can catastrophically improve right now. Cause right now it's all minor league options and those two guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To me, same means the key to the whole thing. It's uh, to, as far as strategy wise. And Absolutely. Wrong, but hundred percent. I figure that's their first move period as an organization, right? There's not, you know, it's one thing to fi- figure out the Bobby Ray thing in the tandem with that, but they're going to, I have a strange feeling they're going to go hard after Marcus Semyon first. Every, every team needs offense. a clubhouse dad, right? And, yeah, uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's that clubhouse dad that's still got mad game and will for probably yes. another five years. <laughs> I think in the American League East, he's just going to mash if he continues to play for an American League East team. Uh, yeah, so. and I mean, I like that he said that he enjoyed his experience, and who wouldn't want to be on a team like this? And so, if the, I think the Blue Jays open the checkbook up, he's he'll certainly consider it. And, and to be fair, I mean, people are concerned that he may leave because he wants to play shortstop or something. But there's a lot of great shortstops that are yeah, going to get paid so this many. winter too. So especially this, he's, uh, yeah. I mean, so he's going to have some stiff competition there if he decides. And he's older than them all too, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, right now his this uh, that stiff competition you were alluding to is Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Carlo, Car- Corey Seager, and Javi Baez. Yeah, and you can even make an argument that Jose Iglesias is pretty good, but he's also 32. So yeah, if you're putting Semyon in that same ballpark right now, if you're basing it on war, yeah, he's the best guy. But he's also going to be 32 this season. He, <laughs> he just turned. Oh no, I take that back. Then he just turned 31. So either way. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a tough call. <laughs> yeah, glad it's not my call, but I'm glad we get to talk about it. Yeah, we could speculate. That's uh, that's all we can do, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. So going back to the rest of the things that we could be improving, obviously we've all called out basically it's three things. Starting pitching. Eventually, they're going to have to talk about the bullpen, but they're going to solve the bullpen the same way they do every year, and they're just going to grab whatever the heck they can to put a cherry on the top of the thing and hope for the best. And hopefully they're getting enough guys back healthy that our bullpen will look a lot more like it did at the beginning of the season when it was one of the best bullpens in baseball. Um, but that starting pitching thing, I think, is the big thing. And then they have to figure this thing out for second base and thir- third base. And I don't think trading any of their major league talent right now and being Lourdes, Brendan, <laughs> is solving that because you're just moving the problem. If we trade Lourdes, who are you putting in left field? Yeah, Randall's still around. For now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting traded for sure, Randall Grichuk. I, I would bet money on that. I think he showed enough that he's got a trade value this season with how good he was for the first two, two and a half months. Well, I think he's just going to want to go somewhere where he's going to play. You I know. hope so. <laughs> and no, the Blue Jays are going to want to save that money if he's not going to play. Bring back Corey Dickerson and put him in left field. I'm fine with that. Sure. I think that'd be a better option at this point anyway, because he's yeah, absolutely. back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm totally down with bringing back Corey Dickerson. I think that was a, a large reason for the trade, but it's still crazy in my mind. I always forget that you have, what is it, another three years of control of Adam Simber? Uh, or is it two? It's two or three years of Adam Simber. It's just, what a fantastic trade that ended up being. It worked out so well. I it still- was such an oddly timed one, too. It was, because it was like, what, a month before the deadline? Like, mid-June? And it's just, oh, okay, Adam Simber, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, and then just to talk pitching, there's plenty of guys we can go out on the pitching market. There are anywhere from obviously the elites of, you know, Max Scherzer, Kershaw, probably will end up resigning. Gosman, Carlos Rodon, 
Um, obviously, Robbie Ray, Zach Granke, Stroman. And it, it, the list is pretty... Verlander. Plenty. Yeah, Verlander for that point. I think that's funny. He's not even on this list I'm looking at. It's probably because he didn't play at the end of the season. Or, you know, fuck it. Just sign Jay Happ again to be our fifth star. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not ready to take a flyer on freaking certain people or bring back Aaron Sanchez, but I think there's plenty of options that we need to work, that they have to be able to tinker around with to get some extra veterans in there at the uh, fifth spot too. I like your point, uh, Chris, about being able to give Pearson a chance to really run away with that job. I think this spring is going to be very key for him being a starter. This is his last opportunity in my mind. I agree with you, Brennan. I think this is, I think you have to give him one more, one more chance to be a starting pitcher, but uh, I don't like, I think he's just got too much talent that he could be a closer or a setup man and be an elite one. So, but, uh, but I think they will give him one more shot and, they're not going to like reserve the job for him. He's going to have to win it. But uh, that's why I, I like the, the idea of Stripling. You know, if he can yeah, just swing yeah. in and whatever. You right? just got him ready to go. Yeah. yeah. He's Ross Stripling fits the fifth starter in spades. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really like Ross Stripling, actually. I don't know what it is. He just seems like a pretty decent dude, likable guy. He does podcasts. You know, pretty cool. Um, yeah. And that stretch that he had when he, like, the mechanical adjustment he made when he came in against yeah. the Rays and pitched a seven inning of relief. And then he was, it was like ten, at least 10 or 12 starts in a row where yeah. he was really damn good. Like, yeah. that was Dodgers Ross Stripling. I was like, hell yeah, we finally get this guy here and he's here for another two years. He's, he's such a good, useful piece to have. And he could pitch either in the bullpen or in the rotation. So if worse comes to worse, you have Nate Pearson, you have Ross Stripling to round up the rotation. It's not the worst thing in the world, to be perfectly honest. Right. And, Part of that conversation, guys, is where I'm going to steer the rest of this, too, is obviously internal options that we have as Toronto Blue Jays fans. Because we, regardless of what people think, we still have a very good minor league system. I just think we're missing that top-tier talent. We have a nice, good, solid talent from that point on. But um, there's plenty of guys in this minor league system that still could step up for one of these jobs we're talking about. One that clears the front runner, I think, for any of that right now is Jordan Groshans for two of those positions that yeah. we were talking about. But this is a system that also still has guys like Eric Pardino around a lot of young pitchers that never really have been kind of forgotten on the Blue Jays top prospects list and maybe one of them finally comes out and clicks this spring and runs away with a job is there anybody that you're looking to see to have a great offseason lead into spring here that might be somebody that could step up into what more or less maybe not as good obviously as what we finally saw from Alec Manoa this year do we eliminate Gabe Moreno right off the top? Because that would be everybody's first answer. <laughs> he's going to be playing in the Arizona Fall League, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's batting fifth or something today. It's uh, that'd be very similar to what Vladdy did last year and just went into that and crushed everybody. Or was it? You know, Vladdy played in the Dominican League last year, right? Yes, I think so. That's what it was. But that's a similar story. Runs into some really good competition finally. He had a little rough period there, made some clear adjustments for spring. <laughs> and obviously was a basically, in my opinion, and your, probably your guys too, the MVP of the American League. So slightly ridiculous, but that's obviously the far end of the spectrum. But is there anybody you're hoping for to step up this offseason or, you know, or this spring coming? I know this is really early, but is there anybody you're looking at? For for me, I mean, Marino, like is, as you say, is the one guy um, that I think will factor at some point in 2018. And that's why I would, my whole other conversation is that's why I would probably look to use Alejandro Kirk as a trade piece this offseason. But um, as far as young guys go, um, I don't really see anybody that's like going to be ready to contribute at the start of next season. You know, the Groshans is, uh, I think, has a really bright future, but I don't think he did enough this year to warrant having serious consideration for a big league roster spot to, to open the season or anything like that. And, um, you know, the guys that I kind of, or the, the one that I expected to were the two guys that I expected to kind of be in that position were the ones that were traded to Minnesota. Yeah. Exactly. And and I don't think either of them. No opposition, though. That we were that we were hoping for either. So I mean, I mean, to me, if you're talking minor league guys, I think it's it's the batch that we saw a little bit of this year, like the Thomas Hatch and the Anthony Kay and and maybe Trent Thornton figures it out in AAA or something. Um, I think that's more what we're looking at in the minor league system outside of Gabe Moreno um, for going forward to this for this next season. But that doesn't mean that I don't see tremendous value in the future. I just don't know that it'll yeah. factor into 2022 as much. That's my opinion anyway. Roger that, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, 
we kind of talked to Nate Pearson, uh, obviously quite a bit tonight, but he's one for me, of course. And that's because I think every playoff team almost every single year has that one young pitching prospect or position player prospect that comes up and runs away with a job. And it's just kind of the surprise and grows into his own, just like Alec Manoa did. And I think if Robbie Ray doesn't come back, they absolutely need that to be Nate Pearson to hold it down. If there's no other significant moves on the free agent market. So outside of that, outside of Nate Pearson, I think Chris, you hit the nail on the head with Thomas Hatch. I, Craig, I forget what the, remember a couple weeks ago when you last hosted and you did kind of like those superlatives or like the most least improved or what, what was that one where I said Thomas Hatch? I forget what it was, <sighs> but it was like the most least valuable or something like that. I can't remember, but we, we, we played a game a couple weeks ago that was basically the uh, low end. Like if you had to find an award for somebody, yeah, <laughs> these are the ones you shoehorn people into. It was and like, I can't was- remember. Maybe it's like most disappointing or something like that. And I said, I think it was something like that. And the point that it was uh, more or less, we, we expected so much of you to be able to do, and and he didn't get a chance to do it. It was kind of like the summary of the award. So that that's where Thomas, like a Darwin award. Like he, I expected a lot from him last year. I think they did internally as well. Obviously injuries didn't work or didn't happen uh, and didn't make that happen. But at the end of the day, when he did get his very few opportunities, he was not impressive. And that one game he came in and pitched against Minnesota and couldn't lock it down. You could look at that. I mean, there's so many cases where we could go back and look, oh, if he won that one game, but still, when you go back and look at it in September, I think the second loss in that series against the Twins is what probably one of the most crushing ones to me right now. And Thomas Hatch pitched in that and he couldn't lock it down. So Hatch is up there for me, who I really hope takes a step forward on the pitching side. On the offensive side, I'd probably go Kevin Smith. I mean, we saw him a little bit last year. The front office had been high on him for a little while now. Um, got his cup of coffee in the big leagues this year. And if you don't solve second base, or you decide to play Kevin at third with Espinal and Kevin Smith comes and has a really nice spring training and he lives up to the offensive hype that he had in the minors, I think your second base issue can be solved with Kevin Smith. And that's why I think at the end of the day, yes, absolutely improve second base if you can with a veteran, improve third base if you can with a veteran, but you do have Groshans, you do have Kevin Smith and a couple other guys who could maybe be this year's Manoa, but on the position player side of things. Yeah, I was actually going to say George, or not um, Kevin Smith as well. And honestly, and that's just because I could see him following a very Santiago Espinal rise into the minor league and the majors this season. He's got that same kind of fold. It's just that he's definitely his game's flipped. He's not all glove like we were expecting to see from Espinal. He's definitely a guy that speaks more with his lumber, but he is very salvageable. And I think, honestly, even though he quote unquote is a shortstop third baseman, the games I've seen Kevin Smith play at second base were very intriguing, and I, I would think that he his glove and everything actually might carry better at that position. The reason he plays shortstop and third is he's got a rifle for an arm to be able to make that throw, but I think his range would look better at the uh, second base position. But going that next step further, if Kevin Smith's not that guy stepping up, I have always loved Otto Lopez's bat-to-ball ability, and we didn't really get a chance to see him in those, what, three games that he called him up for, just for the shit and giggle of it. (laughs) So I would love to see where he goes in the midst of this whole thing, too, because he's a guy that can play literally all over the diamond. So he's a very Blue Jays utility guy that might just sneak away to get a couple key base hits. I, To me, he's the guy that should be him or Kevin Smith should be the guy that's taken Brevik Valerius spot. Oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have, I'd rather take the flyer on those two guys. Yeah. I don't get the love affair with Valera. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> so, but those are the guys I was kind of thinking as far as it, that everybody else is just a little too far away to really make anything, uh, solid out of it. It'd be a real wild card that somebody shows up out of nowhere on uh, the Blue Jays top 30 prospects and really runs away with a spot all of a sudden uh, this spring. But hey, crazier things have happened. Yeah, Gabriel Mourinho actually is on the 40-man roster. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, so. all, I'm all for a second straight year of a Manoa-type rise from Adam Kloffenstein or C.J. Van Eyck. I'm very down with that. <laughs> that would be the next tier of that kind of thing. But to that point, both those guys haven't played above um, A-level a ball. So. No, I know. 
Um, the one guy that I'm actually looking forward to seeing in the Arizona Fall Fall League is uh, Leo Jimenez, though. I think he's got a chance to do something, maybe, but just hasn't really done anything yet. Other, than, you know, he's very quiet at the minor league level, but still been a Blue Jays prospect for a long time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, fellas, unless you have any topics you would really love to dive into from the things we've been talking tonight, or is anybody you like to call out as a free agent and have a quick discussion before I have a little uh, fun for us here at the end of the night? Not that I can think of. Mr. Henderson. No, I mean, I think we've covered, covered a fair bit of ground. We've got to save something for next time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's you don't want to like pitch we... an album or anything while you're on. <laughs> Not yet. I'm working on a new one. I'll come back and pitch Woo. it. Another day. <laughs> there you go. We'll make sure we, we'll clear some space for you. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. So to our viewers out or viewers, listeners, whoever, how you're getting uh, your content from us here at Jaybird watching it, the collective group that we actually have with you here tonight, we actually all met through jaysjournal.com part of the fan side network which we funny enough happen to be working for again and uh are all fun and affiliated with um 2015 era ballpark when we were all together and things were great blue jays bat flips everything wonderful Mm -hmm. stuff so i just wanted to put this out there because mr henderson already you know obviously is the you're the sole proprietor of the operation at the moment right (laughs) Oh no! I, I well, I've got yeah. a. Uh, we do have a uh, co-editor these days. Uh, okay, I didn't realize that. the name of uh, Tyson. Shish- I, you know what? I don't even know if I ever have said his name right. I've never asked him, <laughs> but I think it's just which is how serious is it anyway? Yeah, I know. But to that to point, we know Tyson too, so that that works. So I didn't realize he voted to join you as a co-editor. So yes, he yeah, he's uh, he jumped up the. I jumped up the rung, as it were, and uh, he's done a great job. He's been a lot of fun to work with. Good deal. So, anyway, where I was heading, you're, Mr. According to BlueJaysAggregator.com, you have 2.2 thousand articles that you've done for JaysJournal.com. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to go. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty gross to think about it. Actually, you know, it's funny you say that because I just looked yesterday uh, I was actually I, I used to look at the numbers and, and all that kind of stuff on a daily basis, but I haven't looked in months and I just passed the twenty three hundred uh, the <laughs> threshold. So which is wow. disgusting how much uh, I've thrown my opinion out to the world and nobody's come <laughs> looking for me yet. But uh, maybe <laughs> it's just because they can't yeah, find got me. A couple out. secret stalkers. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to put that in perspective, Brendan and I were basically like a couple years each, two, yeah, three years, exactly something like that. that. Um, I am in second place out of the three of us to Mr. Henderson at a mere 290. <laughs> and Brendan, you are at 145. And this is all according to BlueJaysAggregator.com. I thought so. I had a couple more than that, but maybe not. Uh, it, it might, it's, to that point, we just prove a fact with Chris that it yeah. is like 15, 30 of them right up front there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that website is great, but it does miss the odd one here and there. But, you know, it's, uh, for me, it's been, I think I've been there six years now. And and in my role as an editor, I typically write almost every day, at least once. And when the season's busy, sometimes twice or whatever. And so it's pretty gross to think about how much uh, I've said, I think I've called it disgusting and gross and everything else. But I just can't believe that people still read uh, what I write. And I guess I'm thankful for that. (laughs) <laughs> to that point you're the third ranking author according to this so good good play well done <laughs> yeah. so the game i'm gonna play though it, like i said i propped you up enough now chris so i gotta take you down a peck <laughs> so sounds fair sounds fair what i i hope you didn't cheat when you happened to be looking on this the other day but do you have any idea what your most popular topic articles would be about I didn't look at that um, the other day, but my guess would be, um, I remember there was something, there was an article that went stupid on that website that was about Jose Batista um, <laughs> years ago, and this is several years ago, so I'm guessing that's probably still the top one, and I think it might have been about a, the bad flip or about, I don't know, some, or maybe it was about re-signing him or something, but yeah. I do remember that one went stupid on there. 
Um, but I'm just going to go I through the idea. top one for each one of us because I think this is really sure. amusing and it shows and dates the fun here. Yours is not as bad as far as how long ago, but like I said, this is also according to their numbers is I don't have the behind the wall fan side stuff for the website all at my fingertips for all three of us. Um, Blue Jays must not be interested in signing Taiwan Walker. <laughs> is your top one. <laughs> that was mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one did good to do uh, do quite well. <laughs> and to be fair, they clearly weren't because they clearly, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, maybe in hindsight, that's not the worst thing in, in the world because that didn't turn out very good for the Mets. No, I mean it's pretty incredible to see the guy was an all star in the first half and then turn into Brad Hand okay. in the second half. Yeah, <laughs> that's because he got to share clubhouse with him. <laughs> so. That was that one for you. My top article at Jay's Journal while I was there was in 2017, and it was Blue Jays' top prospects, number two, Sean Reed Foley. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, uh, remember those days we were baking on Sean Reed Foley and Connor Green, and look at Connor Green now coming out of the bullpen for the Orioles. <laughs> Just to say that Randall Gritchick trade is looking swell, by the way. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That whole right, era is why I don't I don't understand why people are, are like Apple's traded everyone. It's like who did he trade? Yeah, Other yeah. Than, you know, like the, earlier on there was you know Syndergaard was traded and stuff, but like in that 2015 summer, it was like everybody traded. Matt Boyd might have been the only everybody one that flamed out. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> so now, Brennan, it's your turn for me to pick on you. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I've been trying to think about them like at the top of my head. There's been a few that I know got some attention. Can you give me kind of the rough general topic? 2018. Oh, 2018? But, uh, we just got somebody. Oh, geez. Who did they get in 2018? Was it Sun 10? <laughs> nope, it was not Sun 10. I have no idea. Quick hits on new acquisition Trent Thornton. Oh, God. <laughs> Lovely. Figured you'd be amused by that. It's very funny to see Trent Thornton in a Houston Astros hat on your article here. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that, that's, that's cool. That's cool. That's one of the things about writing, guys. I mean, that, that I've learned over my couple thousand articles or whatever is that, you know, when I put all kinds of time into something and, and make a really great effort to write a, an excellent article, then nobody reads it. And then when I have too many drinks and slap something together at three in the morning before <laughs> I go to bed, then it goes viral. And so, yeah, that's that's my key to writing <laughs> is to make sure you do it irresponsibly and it'll no doubt it'll get attention. hundred percent. <laughs> so just to put that out there for the rest of the fun here, because like I said, I was going to do top three for each of us. So I'll go backwards for the other two. So Brennan, your second and third ones was your second one was taking a deeper look into the good signing of Jamie Garcia. Oh, <laughs> and then Kendris Morales, 2017 appears to be an outlier. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that one made sense. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, the other two I, I would like to take back, but uh, that's all right. That's uh, a couple of years ago now. There you go. Uh, my other top threes were funny enough. I Apparently, I only wrote in 2017. Well, uh, just saying, because all three of my top articles are all prospect pieces. One, and actually a good one. Uh, my number two article is top prospects for 2017. Number 10, Bo Bichette. And then oh, number go. 17, Max Pentecost. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember Max Pentecost. Always injured. Always injured, Max Pentecost. And he apparently finally just said, you know what? I'm good. And he, he just stopped playing after he finally had a great spring. <laughs> so, and then Mr. Henderson, your second ranked one, according to the Blue Jays aggregator, is the Marcus Stroman trade already looks a lot better. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, well played, sir. <laughs> and then... Rumored interest in Yasiel Puig to upgrade the outfield from 2019 as well. Oh, I remember when they were going potentially after Puig. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's sense. funny. I had no idea that one. Has he even At played the time, a game in the majors since some then? Sense. I he had a brief stint in 2019 somewhere, didn't he? I that think so. Long. Yeah, but it didn't last well, long. He got in trouble right away. I think. <laughs> I believe it was something like that. And then he signed with somebody for about five seconds. And then three seconds later, he had COVID in 2020. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. 
Right. And uh, but Chris, you weren't far off on one of your articles though, because one of your, your uh, Blue Jays free agency update is no way Jose. And that was right. Yeah, that's the, that's it. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> About bringing him back after uh, you know everything, and he hasn't unfortunately played baseball since. Outside yeah, of playing in like the Dominican League and stuff, which apparently he did quite well in that one year, right? So. Yeah, and then he was playing for Team USA this year. He was sort of wasn't hitting it at all, but he was throwing people out from left field anyway. <laughs> Guys still got a can. I still wouldn't be surprised if he was able to tr- really take a swing at that whole uh, pitching thing. I might have been able to do something. Come on, Anthony Ghost is doing it. Yeah, Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote an article a few weeks ago. A quote was something to the effect of, I was writing about how Marcus Stroman is not coming back to Toronto. And I said, there's a better chance that the Blue Jays sign Jose Batista to be a reliever than, than, than there is if they resign. <laughs> And I stand. I stand. <laughs> I will stand there right with you and help pick it that one for you. <laughs> so, but anyway, that was my last little game here with the wrap our hour of session here, fellas. So if you don't have anything else either you would like to add to the show, we'll finish this off like we usually do. Thanks of you know, I'll have Caleb Joseph and two claps and a Ric Flair. And a let's go Blue Jays. <laughs> Ready? Good. Ready? Two claps and Ric Flair. Oh, jeez, I went. Let's go, Blue Let's Jays. Let's go, Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Do not forget to find us I'm, on fansided.com, all over where you get your podcasting, media, YouTube, Facebook, all that kind of good stuff. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.